<clears throat> Have you ever had or felt the experience of being entirely and thoroughly alone? Cut off, isolated, outcast? As if no one on earth could possibly begin to understand who you were or where you are in the world. A world where people sat together and talked intimately and understood each other. A world where people touched one another on the arm as they spoke. A world where people embraced one another spontaneously when someone was sad or glad or relieved. A world so different from our very own. When we feel alone, it can feel as if we are looking through a thick wall of glass upon that other world, that world of intimacy, one utterly foreign to where we are in the world. What was that time for you? Was it a time when the world shifted beneath your feet and that you learned that solid job was perched on shifting sand, causing you to question your abilities, your vocation, your sense of what you were meant to do and be in the world? Or was it a time in the midst of a breakdown or a breakup, of a long-term relationship, a friendship, a marriage? Was it a time when you experienced the devastating loss of someone you loved? Parent, partner, sibling, spouse, child. Or perhaps a moment when the doctor turned to you with a grim face to deliver bad news. When we experience trauma or loss, it is a profoundly isolating experience an otherworldly experience. We feel cut off, we feel outcast, as if we might never again be able to swim to the other shore of normalcy. And even if there are people we love standing by, unless the loss is theirs, unless they are undergoing the same trauma, it can feel almost impossible for them to reach us. And everything they say can seem wrong. Those good-hearted lines where they help us try to interpret God. It's God's way. It's God's plan. Chin up. It'll get easier. Trauma, loss, they isolate us. They outcast us. The woman at the heart of today's gospel encounter with Jesus is just such an isolated and outcast person. Only her outcast state goes beyond her feelings and extends to the community's treatment of her. She is a nameless and faceless person, known to us by a thumbnail sketch of a few facts. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. For 12 years, she has gone to physician after physician for treatment. Not only 
has she not found a cure, but she's become worse. And we know that that through the deterioration of her body, she has spent all of her money, all of her resources. Everything she has is gone. Those are the facts of the gospel passage about this nameless and faceless woman. But there are more things that we can discern about her. We know about the financial and medical cost, but there is a religious and social cost as well. Because of her physical condition, the prevailing religious mores of the day would demand that the woman be left completely alone, thrown out of any religious experience, barred from the temple, barred from community. It is likely that her family has left her, that she lives alone. It is likely that people will avoid her at all costs so that they do not become ritually unclean, unpure. But there's one thing more that we should know about this woman. She has not given up. Through it all, she has not given up. She is determined to find healing for herself. So here comes Jesus in today's passage. He's in the midst of a great crowd. People are pressing in on him from every side. And he is hurrying to the bedside of Jairus' daughter. She's on the brink of death. The nameless woman who has been suffering for 12 years alone. She has this idea that if she but touches his clothing, she can be healed. And in all honesty... That sounds an awful lot like hocus-pocus. Using Jesus as some kind of magical talisman. Yet if we're honest with ourselves, we engage in that kind of behavior all the time. We have rituals that range from saying a prayer before taking a test or engaging in a job interview or wearing our lucky socks, our favorite t-shirt, to a sporting event. Or the bride who wears something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. We human beings impart quasi-magical powers on physical objects all the time, whether we admit it or not. So if she but touch his clothing, she believes she will be healed. And she does. She touches his clothing, and sure enough, power flows from him. The Greek word for that power is dynamon, the same word from which we get dynamite, explosive power. The dynamic power flows from Jesus, and he knows it, and he stops. He looks around the crowd, and he says, who touched me? which elicits a response from the disciples along the lines of, are you kidding? Really? The woman knows in that instant that she has been healed. She can feel it in her body just as Jesus can feel the power has left his body. 
But Jesus is not willing to simply make someone well. Jesus is not willing to simply let the power flow from him. Good and dynamic and healing of your disease, as it may be that power, Jesus is not content to merely solve a problem. Jesus wants an authentic and meaningful encounter with a person. And encounter her, he does. And what does he say to her, this woman that has taken his power? He says to her, daughter. Daughter to the woman whose family has left her. Daughter to the woman whose community has abandoned her. Daughter to the woman that is at the end of her rope. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And with those words, Jesus accomplishes the truly explosive healing of this passage. It has nothing to do with her physical wellness. It has everything to do with restoring her to life in God's community. That's the explosive power here. And so it is for us. Do we want God to heal us of our disease? Well, of course we do. Who hasn't prayed for it? Do we want God to heal us of our broken heart, our loneliness? Of course we do. Who hasn't prayed for it? But physical wellness is not enough. And Jesus offers us more than physical wellness. There is an invitation here where people sit together and talk intimately. Where people understand each other. There is an invitation here, an offer here, to experience a world where people touch one another on the arm as they speak. Where they embrace one another spontaneously when someone is sad or glad or relieved. Jesus freely and passionately offers us the beloved community, the family of God. The beloved community first gathered around the preaching and healing Jesus, and then around the risen Christ. But the foundational truth of that beloved community is that there is room enough and there is love enough for all. And within that community, no one is alone. No one is cut off, isolated, or outcast. Each one of us is daughter. Each one of us is son, brother, sister, friend, beloved. No more orphans, no more outcasts. This, of course, is Christ's charge to us. To see people for who they really are. Beyond their infirmities. Beyond our social judgments, insecurities, and criticisms. To see people as unique persons, each created in the image of God. 
each worthy of our attention, our care, our love, our respect, and our touch. We are, in fact, shaped and made human only in relationship to one another. It is in relationship that we are made whole. It is in relationship that we are made well. It is in relationship that we know God's peace. Scottish philosopher John McMurray once wrote, I need you in order to be myself. I need you in order to know myself. It is a privilege, really, the work that Christ calls us to do in the world. To intimately know one another. To name people as beloved. To walk alongside them. And eventually invite them to sit at this table. And live in beloved community. It is a privilege. Thanks be to God. Amen.